Welcome to Transformed, the podcast where we explore how God is continuing to transform us each and every day. We believe transformation to be a dynamic and ever-present work that is offered to all of us. In his letter to the Roman church, Paul tells them, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So would we today open our minds to the possibilities that God envisions for us, our communities, and our world. Welcome to Transform. Well, welcome to another one of our midweek reflections. I'm joined here with my good friend, Stu. Hey, everybody. And another special guest. We've got our intern, Caleb, joining us today. Hello, everyone. Well, Caleb has the uh, pleasure of joining us today because he also has the pleasure of preaching for us this Sunday. As you know, we've been walking through the Sunday text um, as we're kind of reflecting and discerning as a staff where the Lord is leading us. And Caleb's been reflecting on this text for quite a while, and so the, the expectations are high. So just to the, you know, the two and a half of you that are listening to this podcast, know that this is one you can replay over and over and over. I think we're up to three. Uh, yeah, three, maybe three. Three devoted view, uh, so you're, listeners. You're three kids. And I'm one of them. <laughs> you're one of them. <laughs> My mom this week, too, maybe. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got Caleb's family listening. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd be curious before we kind of talk about our Sunday text deal, you know, we're two and a half weeks into this Lenten journey. Um, what are general reflections? I know our all of our fasting practices look a little bit different, but um, all have been focused on you know, our own pursuits of following the Lord a little closer this year. So maybe, Stu, start us off. What's been your own reflections on your journey this year? Yeah, I'm surprised at how uh, when one fasts, it, um, it makes you appreciate uh, simple things in life, like coffee, when you can have it, <laughs> <laughs> um, but perhaps more, um, more meaningfully, uh, the discipline itself just makes me attentive to my need for God and I enjoy this season because it is a walk into a rhythm of life that doesn't come naturally for me. So, mm. so I enjoy that. I also enjoy the fact that um, I'm journeying with others. And so uh, our prayer time together on Mondays feels like an opportunity for us to share in the journey. We're not just walking through the journey of Lent as individuals, but trying to do it as a community. And so praying corporately um, and being able to be a part of that has also been quite significant mm. uh, for me this year and perhaps different to former years mm. uh, of walking through the season. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Caleb, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's Lent has been a journey in my own personal life that has just been been really important, but also I don't think I've fully understood it still to this point in my journey. Um, but this year, I'm just focusing on on just spending time in quietness. It's something that I'm not good at doing. I'm an extrovert. I like talking. I like sharing stories. Um, even when I'm alone, I have music playing or sports on the TV. Hmm. So I've just decided to try to, to take some of that time and just shut off the devices and the sports that I spend way too much time watching and just sit in silence, um, which I think at two and a half weeks ago, it started to drive me crazy. Um, but now I just feel more in tune with my own thoughts, but also I think I have more time and energy to listen to what God is presenting me with in that day. It's not often super long, but I find if my day starts with five or 10 minutes of silence, the day seems to, to carry much more uh, hope and just excitement. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, I heard a friend of mine recently, he was talking about his own Lenten journey and um, you know, sometimes we can ridicule maybe the, the simplicity of the things that we fast. So, mm. you know, like fasting for coffee this year, notice it immediately. I had a friend that said like, Oh, I'll be praying for you for 40 days. Like as I drink my coffee in the morning, but my friend that was talking about, you know, the, a way to reframe it rather than thinking about the simplicity of the fast, he said, it's never really about the thing that we fast, that fasting immediately, like unearths the things that really are at play, mm-hmm. um, that are really binding and gripping us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, in a fast from coffee or candy or social media or something like that, your own pride begins to bubble to the surface. Um, your own um, fear of loss, mm-hmm. um, your own mm-hmm. need to prove yourself, all those sorts of feelings bubble mm-hmm. to the surface. And I found this year, even in my own, you know, my own journey these last two and a half weeks, there's been things that the Lord has been revealing to me that, oh, these are really things that you've been ignoring that you need to tend to. Right, so. right. Mm-hmm. I don't think we like denying ourselves anything. Yeah. You know, and um, fasting is so countercultural because it, it, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you want to follow me, you've got to learn how to do this mm-hmm. thing of denying yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the posture of, of, of my life is often more about what what is God going to give me? How is He going to bless me? Yeah, and I think learning how to uh, to say no to certain things in order to be more attentive to God's calling upon your life is something that I think we all can learn to do better. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we turn to our Sunday text? Um, for those of you joining us, appreciate the um, the time that you're spending with the text. My hope is that as we read it together. We've referenced quite a number of times that one of the most sacred times in our week is our Tuesday staff meeting when we read text together. Um, that perhaps even in your own hearing of this text in this podcast, that it's inspiring new practices. Maybe you as a family would start reading scripture together. Um, you as you know a, a team, or whoever, whoever you work with, or friends, or family would would join together around scripture together. So mm-hmm. let's read from John chapter four. Uh, Stu, if you'd read for us, and then we're anxiously awaiting Caleb's. Wonderful thoughts on the text this morning. Yeah, so the text selection is John 4. It's from verse 5 to 42. We won't read all of that, so I'm just going to read a selection of it, but that's the text that uh, Caleb has the privilege of preaching on this Mm -hmm. coming Sunday. So uh, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, So he came, that is Jesus, to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. 
And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Mm. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one you have is now not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. Mm. Oh, Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, there's a million thoughts. You mentioned it's a long text for us mm-hmm. this week. It's a lot of verses, like 35 or 6. Um, and there's a number of directions we could go in. One of the things that we kind of laugh about, you know, we preach through the lectionary, and so this three-year cycle, texts come up pretty often, and there's this tendency to think, well, like, I already preached on this. But then when you give it the time, like, oh, have I really preached on this? Because <laughs> there's something new to be found. But we'll turn to our esteemed colleague, uh, Caleb. What's, you know, as it's Tuesday, so you still got some time um, before <laughs> Sunday, but... What's maybe a, a theme or an idea that um, you're teasing mm-hmm. out in this in this story for us? Yeah, there's many themes, obviously. Um, one of the most profound things I think that needs, or not needs to be, but could be recognized is the cultural and ethnic um, just boundaries that Jesus breaks in this text. Um, I don't really think I understood it until I started reading a lot about the tension between Jews and Samaritans. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a tension of, I don't like you. It's a tension of five, 600 years of war and of conflict, Um, both like theological difference, but also like Mm -hmm. legitimate wars and burning of temples. Um, So the fact that Jesus says something to this woman um, breaks multiple different boundaries. And I mean, the fact that he does that is astounding. But then mm-hmm. the fact of what he's about to say to this woman is even more um, mm-hmm. amazing. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes with a text like this, we can just read it quite simply and think that's another, if I may say, conversion story of Jesus converting someone. But I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily what Jesus and what the author in John like wants us to think about. I think he's pointing to something greater, which is... Jesus is having a conversation that breaks boundaries. And then he also offers this living water mm-hmm. to a woman that frankly may have never been offered it before because mm-hmm. she's a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's so much packed in like that. Why I love studying scripture is that even a verse like a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, mm-hmm. <laughs> Caleb's right. There's like so much packed into that, to that verse. Um, and we can brush over it because it seems like just a commonplace everyday scenario. We might, you know, I get in the drive through I go through Tim's and mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. to somebody, but I think good reading is to pay attention to these sorts of things, to ask, mm-hmm. um, to read slowly and pause and ask, okay, what does it mean to be a Samaritan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does it mean to be a woman in the early near East? What mm-hmm. is it? 
mean for Jesus to be on that scene? What does water mean? All those mm-hmm. sorts of things that I don't profess to have the answers to, mm-hmm. but that reading scripture, this is why we talk about it as a lifelong journey, because mm-hmm. it's, it's worth exploring if you can have the patience to deal with it. Yeah, I, I think so. And I'm excited to hear what, first of all, what Caleb's going to say on Sunday. Um, I think I think there's a couple of things that come to mind as we talk about any, you know, uh, I think meaningful way of entering into understanding the text is that we have the tendency to look at the text through our present contemporary Western value mm. system. And I think when we do that with a text like this, we immediately bypass so much of uh, the riches of the text. So, for example, that, you know, uh, this is a former location of Jacob's well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you even just think about the significance of this, um, uh, this is where, you know, we hear the betrothal stories of mm. the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, yeah. who all met their wives at <laughs> a well. Uh, let's just pause there for yeah. a second <laughs> and think about the symbolism that is happening here. Uh, think about how that Jesus engaging this woman confounds his disciples to the point where they go, what are you doing? It's kind of what you were saying, Caleb, about breaking social convention. A Jew, let alone meeting a, a woman, mm-hmm. let alone in an isolated, lonely kind of state, it's, it's all kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Just makes you realize there's a lot more going on in this text than we think. And, and I think we like to make Jesus a little bit more safe than he is. Mm. Like if we read these kinds of texts, we realize that he, he is intentionally going through Samaria. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to, yeah. but he intentionally goes. We've got to ask ourselves why that is, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll pause there for a second. I'm not preaching on, on Sunday, so I don't have to say <laughs> Yeah, that. Yeah, you seem a little, a little lighter this morning knowing that you're not I preaching do. on Sunday. Sure, yeah, yeah. The ideas come a little easy when you're not Yeah, preaching. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the idea that a well is a place where multiple, some of the biggest people in the Jews' history meet their wives was, is a fascinating thought because the, many commentators comment on this that there's a potential that when this scripture was read out loud or Jews read it in their homes, they thought Jesus was about to meet a quote unquote wife, (laughs) which, and then, so they think, Oh, Jesus is about to meet a wife. This is a good story. Then it's a Samaritan woman that he meets and they go, maybe potentially go, is he about to find a wife? That's a Samaritan, right? Which obviously isn't the point of the text, but the point is to think sometimes an important reading is to think, how did first century readers think about this story? Mm-hmm. So that is fascinating. And it's mm-hmm. and it's important to note that that happens. And it's important to understand that obviously the marriage, quote unquote, that Jesus is about to give is way more than this physical marriage that a man and a woman may have. Um, but something way bigger in terms of just giving this woman abundant life. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the purpose of the story, I think. But, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I want to this kind of an eschatological edge, right? Mm-hmm. We use the big word eschatological. Yeah, define that for our three yeah, listeners, yeah, we, we, too. When we use that word in, in theology, we're really talking about kind of where things are heading and how it's going to be fulfilled, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of this talos, this Greek mm-hmm. word that we use for uh, the fulfillment, how things are what things are intended to to kind of head towards and i feel like 
it, it's a legitimate theological interpretation of this text to say that Jesus is marrying himself to more than the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, think, I think, you know, from that kind of vantage point, he's making a statement in this particular situation to his disciples that, hey, God is kind of chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's the bridegroom, the bride is not just who you think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of really important. The other thing that I think is, is worth noting is just for the sake of the discussion more than anything, I'm happy to hear your guys' perspectives on it. But if you think about Old Testament prophets, they often asked for hospitality. Mm-hmm. So this is not the first time that a prophet-type figure asked a woman in particular. They were the Elijah and Elisha, right? Like, th- this seems to be kind of something that is already anticipated or at least practiced in the Old Testament. So as much as I'd like to say Jesus is kind of breaking, you know, cultural norms, which he is, there is a sense in which this has kind of been a tradition of the prophetic kind of person. And I think prophets <laughs> pay the price for breaking boundaries. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Prophets pay the price for going where God wants them to go and where perhaps the status quo, the social norms often prevent them from going. Anyway, I'm not preaching on it. It's kind of fun to think (laughs) about. Yeah, a a teacher of mine used to say, because it was easy, you know, in an undergrad theology class, you're like, oh, I'm going to tell my church all these things. And yeah, he, yeah. he said, well, you know, you can do that. But every once in a while, John the Baptist needs to go back into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> he can come out every once in a while, but yeah. you can't hit him hard every single week. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think another thing that, that comes to my mind as I read stories like this, I just recognize is a natural way that we read such character-rich stories where it's mm. just a few characters. As the reader, it's so easy for me, even subconsciously, to put myself in the position of a character. Mm-hmm. So ideally, I want to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Secondary, like I can be the disciples because at least they're like going grocery shopping. They're like right. doing something <laughs> helpful, even though they don't get it all right. Mm-hmm. But never would I want to put myself as the Samaritan woman. Mm. But I think what's interesting about like the character, she's so much to her in the story, but she's so pragmatic. She's like, where's the water? Like, can I have it? Do you have a bucket? Like I need to get, and she's probably thinking about all the uses of the water that Jesus would give her. Mm -hmm. And if I was honest with myself, like this is so often how I treat the invitation of Jesus. He invites me to something. I'm like, that's great. Mm -hmm. But can you make it helpful to me? Like, can you, like, can you pay my, you know, rent (laughs) this month? Or can you, ease that burden that I feel right now? Or can you fix that family situation? And I think this is just a general reminder that when we, when we read scripture to put ourselves in the position of the teacher often keeps us from learning that Mm. which we need to learn. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good, good point. I, I, I wonder though, if talking about, you know, kind of which position we put ourselves in, uh, Jesus kind of calls this woman out, and, and mm-hmm. I think poor interpretations could very easily mm-hmm. just kind of discard her and say, well, she's a woman of ill repute, could have had, you know, been divorced, yeah. you know. And by the way, women had very little say in what happened to them, yeah. right? And this is the other thing that a lot of people, especially younger people, struggle with. Is, oh, the Bible seems so sexist, so mm-hmm. patriarchal. Well, it is patriarchal, and doesn't justify 
you know, us being sexist or, you know, necessarily acting out of our own context in patriarchal ways. But what we do understand is, is that actually the woman had very little say over what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to read this woman as just kind of being sinful is, is a, um, I, I think, is, is a poor way to understand this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I, I and, and I would have to say, I'd have to go back and fix some of my preaching on this text, <laughs> just to be honest. But, but I think one of the things that really jumps out at me is the fact that, that if we can't say she's necessarily bad in of herself, quote unquote, sinful, she was, you know, whatever. What can we say about what Jesus is doing to her? It seems like Jesus is saying to her, you, the real you, with all that you've been through, whether she was the victim or complicit, whatever, I want you to have life. Yeah. Right? And, and I think about the power of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on a personal level, many years ago I was listening to a Jesuit devotional and one of the phrases that stuck with me since I did that devotional it's the real me that Jesus loves and I I don't think our people listening to us today or even you know on Sundays believe that Mm. we struggle to believe that Jesus comes to give the real us living water yeah what liberates the woman is the fact that he knows her and he chooses yeah Mm. and he chooses her yeah in spite of all that she brings. Yeah. Yeah. We're probably over our time, right? Because no, I'm talking much. But... Caleb, what do you got for us? Give us a closing no, thought. No, I think that's I think that's a really important um, distinction is this text has been used to say this woman is just so sinful and that, you know, we all are sinful. Um, and that's something I'm coming to terms with in this text is that Jesus offers the living water, in essence, before he even says anything about this woman's past. Right. He says, here's the living water. She's not fully convinced, I don't think, at first. Then he just uses the fact that he knows her well. Yeah. And I don't think he's doing that to, to tell her to repent in any sort of way because we don't know the sins she's committed. But rather, Jesus says, I know you, I care for you. And this mm-hmm. should like give us so many imageries of like women like Hagar mm-hmm. and women that have been abused. And probably this woman has probably been divorced out of things that aren't in her control or whatnot, whatever the case, Jesus offers this water Mm -hmm. before anything else. And I think that's a crucial part of the text is just to understand that Jesus loves us and cares for us. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the past. Frankly, he just says, come to me, come live the abundant life. And in essence, we'll probably fix the things later. And I think that's an important part of the text for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and think about where this woman goes. Like, she starts a church in her village. Mm. It says many came to believe because of her testimony. Yeah, but think about what her first sermon is. Yeah. <laughs> Come meet a man who told me everything about myself. Yeah, yeah, not a very attractive message, maybe. Yeah, that's not the, that's not how we do testimonies. <laughs> Our testimonies are like, you know, about us. Yeah. You know, this is about a man who knew everything about me mm. and still, mm. you know, offered me this grace. That's kind of powerful. Yeah. That's how we should plant churches. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if our testimonies were honest about where yeah. we were? And I think that's what's so powerful about the season of Lent. Yeah. Is that it invites us to a confession that is honest, that just says, here's all of it. It's the scariest thing, though, isn't it? But it's also the most liberating thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about it. The relationships that we thrive in the most are the ones that we are free to be who we are. Yeah. Mm. And... And we 
don't necessarily approach God with that trust yeah. that he's not going to keep the nonsense of our lives, the, uh, the unseen of our th things of our life against us. Because yeah. in, in human relationships, we tend to judge each other that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think the liberation of the text is in the God who loves the woman, the real person, yeah. um, in all that she's been through. Mm -hmm. And faith is really a response to believing that that's true. Yeah. So how does all of this prepare us for the cross as we look yeah. forward to the end of the journey? Wow. That's a hard question. Well, you're I not preaching this Sunday, <laughs> yeah. so I thought I'd hit you with a big question. With a big question. Yeah. How does it prepare us for the cross? Yeah. Why does this kind of journey matter? Why can't we just watch Jesus on the cross and then celebrate Easter? I think, I think the journey matters in the sense that we are all people who, who need to um, be confronted with uh, a Savior that knows the brokenness of our life. Yeah. Uh, we need to become honest. Yeah. That's what the woman is. Um, to be able to appreciate what Christ does for us on the cross cannot come as cheap grace when we think that you know, the cross doesn't take into account the real pain of our lives, mm. the real suffering, the brokenness in our world. And unfortunately, we are so easily drawn to a Christianity that, that pushes these things out of our experience or minds, mm. just give us an escape. Yeah. But following Jesus to the cross is probably the most honest way to become a disciple. Yeah. Disciples don't want hardships, and they don't, like you and I, the three of us, mm. we don't want to suffer for Jesus. And the truth is, a lot of times we suffer because of our own stupidity. Mm. I mean, I just, I'm including myself, so I can <laughs> say stupid. My kids can say stupid, but I can say it. But I think that there is a sense in which the cross is so powerful because it shows us the kind of grace that God offers was costly. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is great thoughts today. Anxiously awaiting our preacher on Sunday is gonna gonna bring a good word to us. Maybe not. You can't use any of these thoughts. You have to come up with all your own <laughs> new thoughts. I, I would say though, to to those listening, to pray for for Caleb as yeah. he prepares and yeah. and uh, yeah, it's part of his development and growth as well as as he pursues ministry. So yeah. excited about supporting him and praying for him yeah. as he prepares. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for our midweek reflections. Uh, we enjoy these times together. We get to read scripture, reflect on it, but also hopefully inspire you to do the very same in your own journey. So blessings on you as you go around the rest of your week.